Amen. God has been good to us again. He's allowed us another, another chance to come and to lift up Christ, to encourage each other, uh, to try to make sure that we're on the straight and narrow path. He, he allows us to wake up from day to day, and I think every day it'd be good if, if our first thought was, was God help me to do just a little better today than I did on yesterday. He's given us that opportunity here together this morning. Matthew chapters 24 and 25 go together. Uh, perhaps you already know that in chapter 24, uh, Jesus is with his disciples there outside of the temple at Jerusalem. And as he's told them that the Pharisees and the scribes are sort of going to be overthrown, that they are to be judged by God and their position of leadership in, in God's, uh, among God's people was going to be taken away. His disciples asked him, a couple of questions there in the beginning of chapter 24, and we won't pick all of that apart, but, but they ask him when these things are going to happen, and they also ask him about the signs that would accompany his return. And so Jesus spends some time in chapter 24 trying to answer the questions that had been presented to him, and so in that chapter, he does spend a significant amount of time helping them understand how things will unfold when he comes again. Among other things, he told them no one would know the day or the hour when he was going to come. He would come like a thief in the night. And so he spends some time in chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 preparing them for the eventuality of his return. In chapter 25, he gives uh, two parables there in the first two thirds of the chapter. In that first parable, we have the parable of the ten virgins. And of course, the point of all of that is that people need to be prepared when he comes again. Now, listen, you don't know when Jesus is coming, but in the meantime, you need to maintain a state of readiness, always being prepared. In chapter 14 or chapter 25 and verse 14, he begins the second of these of these two parables, the parable of the master and his talents. And that's where I want us to that's where I want us to spend our time this morning. All of this arises in the context of a question about the Lord's return. All of this explanation that he gives in chapter 25 concerns the fact that he will come again and he wants his people to be ready at the time of his coming. Will you look with me at uh, chapter 25 and we'll begin our consideration here in verses 14 and 15. We will look at all of this material from the parable this morning. In verse number 14, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, for it is as when a man going into another country calls his own servants and delivers unto them his goods. And to the one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one to each according to his several or individual ability. And he went away on his journey. These two verses present for us a, a distribution of the master's resources. You can see the master has a plan. He, he's going to have to go away and he's got a lot of resources. What he wants to do is make sure that, that his business is going to be handled while he's away. And so he calls his servants and the Bible tells us that he gives to each of these servants. He's, he's a very generous master. The Bible says he gives... A, 
one man five talents and he gives another man two and he gives the third one talent. Based on, on my research, and all I can do here is look this up in somebody's dictionary, somebody's encyclopedia, but, but all these guys seem to say the same thing. A talent seems to be the equivalent of about 6,000 days of wages for a day laborer. That is about 20 years of salary for a Jewish laborer. The master distributes more than 150 years of salary to these three men. Indeed, he is generous. He gives one man five talents, 100 years of salary. He gives another man two, some 40 years, and to the, and to the third, I mean the guy who received the least. 20 years of salary. The master was, was pretty generous. The master was also fair or equitable. Did you notice how he affected the distribution? He didn't give his talents based on who he liked the most. He, he didn't give his talents based on the, the tenure of his servants. The Bible says he entrusted these men with, with his resources, listen to it, based on their individual abilities. The man knew his servants. He knew what they were capable of. He, he knew their potential. He knew what they could do. And he trusted them with his resources based on their individual capacities. I mean, if you want to know what a meritocracy is, friends, this is it. How much can you handle? What can you do? And then a master, knowing your capacity, gives you only so much as you can handle. Listen to it. Nothing more than you can handle and nothing less. I mean, that's a meritocracy. This is a generous man. This is an equitable man. The master, Jesus says, also has some trust for these servants of his. Listen to it. He distributes all of this great wealth and then he, and then he takes his journey. He's not going to stand there and look over their shoulders while they conduct his business. He, he's not going to sort of have the eagle eye on everything that's happening on a daily basis. He gives them some instructions and, and he has to trust them that they're going to conduct his business in his interest while he's away. How long are you going? Can't say. Where are you going? Listen, it's a long way from here. You make sure you handle my business while I'm away. And I'm going to have to trust you to do that. The master has an expectation because any kind of fiduciary relationships, it, it involves some expectations. Listen, any kind of stewardship involves an expectation. These are my goods and not yours. I'm, I'm trusting you with what is mine. And so as you have and you handle, my expectation is that you will pursue my interest and not your own. Now, if you handle this right, it's going to bless you too. But don't ever get it twisted. Is that too much for y'all? Don't ever be mistaken. They're my goods. It's my business. You make sure you look out for my interests. 
And so there's our distribution. Let's look at the next couple of verses here. In verse 16, we see how these men respond to the master's trust, his generosity, how they respond to his equity, how they respond to his trust. In verse 16, the Bible says, Straightway he that received the five talents went and traded with them and made other five talents. In like manner, he also that received the two gained other two, but he that received the one went away and digged in the earth, listened to it, and hid his Lord's money. Some very different responses, don't you see it? The first man receives the five talents. He's the one the master has identified as having the greatest capacity and the greatest potential to handle his goods. And so he has given him the five talents. And don't you see how how dutiful this man is? Listen to it straightway immediately. No delay. The master has left. He's given me his resources and it's time for me to handle his business. And he goes straightway to do it. He's dutiful. The second fella is a, is a similar-minded guy. He also, the Bible says, in like manner, he also went straightway, quickly now, right away, to handle his Lord's business. I noticed that the, uh, the fella who was given the five, he didn't seem to have time to look at the guy who had the two and gloat about how much he had been given. I just noticed the guy who has the five, he went straight away. He did not pause and say, listen, look at how much he's given me and, and how little he has given you. He, he knew that much was expected of him. He, he knew he had his hands full and, and he knew he didn't have any time to waste. He was dutiful. He was about the master's business. That second fella, he doesn't spend any time bemoaning the fact that uh, the master didn't give him five talents. Did you see that? The master gave him two because that's all he could handle and he had his hands full with the two. He may well have been thankful he wasn't given five because he had as much as he could handle with the two. He went straight away to handle his master's business. Two dutiful men. Two men who understood and appreciated the awesome responsibility and trust they had been given. These same two men uh, also demonstrated a spirit of, of dedication. When I say they were dedicated, how long is the master going to be away? Well, it's hard to say exactly how long he's going to be away. Listen, is it going to be one hour? Is it going to be one day? Will it be one week, one month? Will it be one year, one decade? Listen, hard to say, but as long as he's away, we have to maintain our spirit of serving in his interest. And these men had to abide in their service for some lengthy period of time. They each had their hands full, but they were each intent on making sure the master received a return based on his trust in them. The first man went and traded, the Bible says. The first man went with those five talents and and gained five more. I mean, the master pegged him perfectly, didn't he? Gave him five and, and five talents of increase. The second fellow went with the two that he had. I mean, he went and traded with those two and gained two talents more. The master had him pegged perfectly, knew what he could do, and got two talents of increase. First two men, very similar 
very similar minded guys. The third, he was a little different kind of character, though. I mean to say he was cut from a different cloth. He wasn't dutiful. He he wasn't dedicated. Now, listen, he also went away when the master when the master took his journey. He also went away. But but instead of taking the resources that that the master had given into his hand, the Bible says he went away and buried. He digged in the earth and buried the master's talent in the ground. The master had him pegged perfectly. The same as the first two, the master knew what he could do and gave to him according to his capacity. But this fellow didn't try. He was derelict. He was irresponsible. He wasn't minded to serve. He wasn't dedicated to his master's best interest. He digged in the ground and buried all those great resources in the earth. If you hadn't been present to see the distribution, I mean, if you didn't see the master lay these resources in the man's lap, you'd have never known that he had the resources. If you didn't see the master make the transfer and and place these things in his custody, there was no evidence that the master had blessed him at all because he buried it in the ground. I tell you, if it was left to this fella, and it was, the master wouldn't get any return at all. There would be no benefit for the master. There would be no increase. And so you see the different responses that these men have. I want us now to to take a look at it, and I'd rather that we spend a little time thinking about the day of reckoning, because you know what? There's always going to be a day of reckoning in any stewardship. And that's where Jesus spends most of his time. Look at verse number 19 beginning. Now, after a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and makes a reckoning with them. And he that received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained other five talents. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And also he that received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Look, I have gained other two talents. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will set you over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you that you are a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the earth. Look, you have your own. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and and gather where I did not scatter. You ought therefore to have put my money to the bankers and at my coming I should have received back my own with interest. You take, therefore, the talent from him and give it to him that has the ten talents. For everyone that has shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not, even that which he has shall be taken away. 
and cast the unprofitable servant out into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping. There shall be gnashing of teeth. You see the day of reckoning. It all begins with the master's return. Now, the master apparently has been away for quite some time. I mean, Jesus says here, after a long time, the servant of those masters come, that, that, those servants come. Three men had to, had to now give an account. I mean, the time of his journey was not fixed. I mean, to say they didn't know exactly when he was coming, but the idea was he's going to come again. It seems that, that maybe the master had tarried longer than they anticipated, but, but some of them kept working in the meantime. Some of them never stopped. Some were diligent. Some were dedicated. Some were dutiful. But you know what? The master always returns. For the two men, this was a great time of rejoicing. It was a time of reward. Uh, the two men were happy to see their master. Master, look, you gave me five talents and, and see what I've been able to do in the time while you've been away. See how I've profited you. See the increase. You gave me the five talents and, and now I have five talents more and I surrender all of this back to you now. The master's well pleased. The master's well pleased. Well done. Good and, and faithful servant. You, you've been faithful over a few things. I, I'll make you ruler now over many things. Listen, I know this seemed like a great deal. The, the, the 100 years of wages I left you with, I know that seemed like a great deal, but it was only a few things. I, I've got much more than this. And, and because you've been so diligent and faithful in these few things, now I will make you ruler over greater things than these many things. Now, you just imagine being that two-talent guy and you see this playing out in front of you. Maybe, maybe you already appreciated your master, but you see that guy and the reward he just got. Now, you come running forward and say, hey, listen, uh, master, you, you gave me the two talents, and, and let me tell you what I did. I went and traded with those two and, and did the very best that I could, and I've, I've got the two you gave me and two more beside. The master looks at him. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will. I'll make you ruler now over over greater things than these over over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He says to the first. He says to the second. I want you to notice something here. These these two men were were entrusted by their master with, with different degrees of resources because the master knew what they could handle, but each of the two men went and maximized as best they could what they had been entrusted with and, and noticed that each of these two men received the same praise and the same reward from their master. He's, he's equally pleased with them because each of them has done the best that they could do. And so we see these two servants and their reward. Now, I told you the third fella, he's got a little different, uh, he's got a little different approach. And so things go a little differently for him at the time of the reckoning. 
When the master returns, he's not eager to see the master's face. Well, now, now listen, you see that he's the third to, to be reckoned with. And so maybe he sees the five, the man with the five talents and the man with the two. And, and he's only been given the one, but one is all he has. And so instead of rushing to the master, instead of greeting the master eagerly, you see what he does. He begins to he begins to make excuses. And he insults the master to his face in the doing. Well, master, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you were the kind of person who expects something for nothing. I knew you were the kind of man that doesn't make an investment. You don't sow anything, but you expect to reap. I, I mean to say you, you, don't, you don't do any strawing, but you expect to do some gathering. I knew, I knew the kind of man you are, and I was afraid of you because of that. So I went and hid your talent in the earth. Now listen, here it is. It's got a little dirt on it. I mean, it's got a little rust on it now, but, but we can wipe some of that off, and I give right back to you exactly what you gave me he says to him you have you have what's yours now some people might look at that and say well at least he preserved what he had been given he didn't lose anything the master sees it differently yes you did lose something yes you did yes you did waste the master had an expectation. You were supposed to use these resources, friend, in a way that benefited and profited me. Now, listen, you've had all of this time and you had my resources. At the minimum, you should have put my money in the bank so it could have gained some interest so that when I came again, I would have had my own with interest. I didn't give it to you so you could bury it. I gave it to you so I could have some increase. And anything less than your best effort to bring me increase, the master says, is wicked and slothful. Those first two fellows were happy to see their master and the master was happy to see them. Well, that third guy, he wasn't as excited about the master's return and the master wasn't quite as excited to see him. The first two men were invited. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Listen, come and be with me. Let us rejoice throughout the ages. Let us now be together. I, I know I went away from for some time, but now I'm here again and you and I can be together. That third fellow, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with you. This guy is so wicked. This guy is so slothful. This guy cannot be trusted. He's got the one talent. Take it from him and give it to somebody I can trust. The man who had the ten. He says, those who don't have, those who don't have an increase, those who haven't been profitable, those who don't have even what they do have is going to be taken away from them. Cast this fella out into outer darkness. Cast this man out where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He cannot be with me. I have no desire at this point to be with him. The man offered uh, what was ostensibly an excuse. Did you see that? I know the kind of I know the kind of guy you are. You're, 
You're not a fair person. You're a hard person. I was afraid of you. That's why I didn't serve you. He offered an excuse. But, you know, an excuse only works if somebody excuses you because of it. The master did not excuse him. The master saw his excuse as a lie and called him on it. Wait a minute. If you knew that I was a hard man, if you knew that I was the kind of person who expected something for nothing, at a minimum, you would have done everything in your power to give me some increase if you knew that's the kind of person that I am. Now, when he says this, he's not saying that this servant was correct. He's saying if you perceive that, the Greek term, to perceive with your eyes. If this is what you honestly believed, you would have been busy. If you honestly believe that I'm a hard person, if you honestly believe that I'm the kind of person who might punish you without a good reason, you would have never seen my face without increase. He calls the man a liar. And he rejects his proffered excuse. And he punishes him. You know, uh, servants who are not faithful to their masters should anticipate being punished for laziness. Should anticipate that. And Jesus gave the man the natural consequences of his sloth. The man's end was quite tragic. It was tragic to see him come to this kind of end because he had the same master as the first two men. He had the same opportunity as the first two men. He had the same potential for reward as the first two men. And he forfeited all of that because he was slothful. Uh, that is the parable of the master and his talents. There may be something here that we need to think about. When Jesus gave his parables, you know what he was uh, what he was doing. He was trying to help his disciples understand what kingdom living is all about. You can see that uh, in, in chapter 24 there near the end of the chapter and also in chapter 25 at the very beginning. He says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this. He's trying to help people understand what kingdom living is all about. He's preparing his disciples to enter into the kingdom and he's teaching them what life in the kingdom is supposed to be like. And so Jesus is the master. He is the person who has gone away on a journey into the far country. He is the one who is generous and fair and trusting with his servants. If you remember in Ephesians chapter four, the Bible says of Christ, uh, after we have all those seven unifying ones, the Bible says of Christ that that he has given gifts to men. Ephesians four and seven. And then, you know, after that, he talks about some of the special gifts that he gave. But but he's the one who led captivity captive. And he's the one that as he was ascending, he gave gifts to men and he blessed men in different ways. But he gave gifts to all men. Yes, he did. He's the generous master. 
He's the one who makes the distribution. You know, he's the one who knows each and every one of his servants. He's the one who knows what his servants can and cannot do. He's the one who decides whether a person gets five talents, two or one. But he gives to everybody only so much as they can handle. And then he trusts his servants to do his business while he is away. Jesus is the master. And uh, he is temporarily away off in the far country. When you look at Matthew 24, several times in verse 3, verse 37, verse 39, verse 44, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes again. He's talking about himself. There's no question about it. In John 14, he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is the master who has gone into the far country. That means that we are his servants, Christians. We are the ones who have been blessed to be in his employ. We are the ones who have received all of this benefit. And guess what? He expects each of us to go out and get busy with what he's trusted us with. Every one of us has our hands full. Every week I notice this. We've got so many good song leaders and uh, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, you know. And so I, I look at those guys and I think, boy, I just am I'm really appreciative of the fact that uh, we've got so many men around here who can lead songs in such a good and effective way. I, Jesus just didn't give me that. But I don't look at those men and sort of waste my time uh, bemoaning the fact that he didn't give me that. I'm thankful that he did give someone that didn't give it to me, but he gave me some other things and I've got my hands full with what he's given me. There may be some things you look at it and you say, boy, I just didn't receive this. I don't seem to have this gift. I don't seem to have this ability. I don't seem to have this capacity. You know what? But you've got your hands full with what you do have. Yes, you do. If you get busy with what you do have, you understand, listen, I don't have time to gloat about the fact that I have one thing that somebody else doesn't have. And, and I don't have time to cry about the fact that somebody has something that I don't have. We all have our hands full. And how we respond to the master's trust about what he has given us. Well, that's a reflection on our character. Some people are very dutiful. Some people straightway go and start serving. Some people are dedicated. I mean, they serve for, for, for 50 years if the Lord allows them to allows them to serve for that long. They never give up. They never give out. And some people, some people, some people become derelict. And if you entertain the conversation with people long enough, you'll, you sort of walk away almost thinking that the reason that they don't serve is because there's something wrong with the master. Now listen, how we respond to his trust is based on us, who we are. Whether we love and respect and appreciate what he is doing, whether we love and respect and appreciate the trust he has given us or not, that determines how we respond. Jesus is the master. We are his servants. And the time of judgment will come. There will be a day of reckoning. There's no way around it. That's the point that Jesus was making. He's going to come again. And when he does, he's going to have to take an accounting of his servants. And at the, the remainder of chapter 25, verse 31 verse through uh, 46, it, it tells us about this reckoning, this day of judgment. 
And so our reception and our reward is going to follow based on our service. Sometimes I hear people say things like, you know, you can't work your way to heaven. I don't disagree with that. Uh, no work you'll ever do, no work you'll ever do will earn you a place alongside the Father and the Son and the Spirit in heaven. No, it won't. But I'll tell you something else. You're not going without work. I tell you, you will not go without some work. The Bible says, Jesus says, he expects his disciples to be about the business of serving him, of working. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse number 12, listen, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The Bible says in Revelation 22 and verse number 12, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Now, what's going to be the basis for the reward? The Bible says to give to every man according to what? What his work shall be. No, you can't work your way to heaven, friends. No, you can't. But you won't go to heaven without work. Is that making sense? No work you'll ever do will earn you a place in heaven. But Jesus is looking for good and faithful servants, people he can trust to do his work here. And if we are faithful in his work here, then he will receive us to continue his work in greater things, far greater than these things we have right now. No, you can't work your way to heaven. But you're not going to go to heaven without some work. So my suggestion to you, my, my reminder to all of us, let's be faithful in our work because God rewards our faithful work. Sometimes, you know, every group of people has things that have to be done in order for uh, things to function as well as they should. Every group of people has certain jobs, certain tasks that need to be handled for them to be productive as a group of people. You know, there have been a couple times where we had uh, Bible classes for children, and I guess we couldn't find someone to teach them. Certainly it's not possible that in a group this large, there aren't multiple people who have the, the talent to do it not possible. There certainly are opportunities for us to, to go on outside the wire and try to make contact with neighbors and make contact with the community around us and try to encourage people to come to know more about Christ and to know more about the opportunity of salvation that's available to them. And, and maybe sometimes, uh, Maybe sometimes it's a little underwhelming. Sometimes the, the response, it, it certainly is not capable that, that in a group this large, we don't have people who, who, uh, who, are, who don't have the talent to walk or speak or say hello or invite someone. You know, there are just times where there are things that need to be done and the cry goes out for someone who's willing to work and the response is sort of underwhelming. Listen, not just here, this is just in life. It's just in life. Any congregation you go to, this is how it is. But I'm saying to you when that happens, let's stop and think for a moment. Stop and think for a moment about, about our character if we don't respond when we can, if we're not dutiful 
if we're not diligent and dedicated in our work. It says something about us and it says something about how we see our master. And I'm telling you, when Jesus comes again, he's going to reckon with every one of us. I would love to be in that, uh, in that crowd of servants when Jesus comes again, where I'm excited that he's coming. You know, the Lord says, listen, his fan is going to be in his hand. He's going to do some winnowing, okay? He's, he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to separate the sheep and the goats. But, but if I'm diligent until such time as he comes, and, and I don't know exactly when that is, it could be the middle of the night, it could be evening service. I'm, I'm one of these guys who thinks that he's going to come during evening service. I mean, that's just the best time to do this. But when he comes, I think I should live my life in such a way that I can run to him and be excited to see his face and be excited to, to talk with him about the investment that I've made with the resources that he trusted me with. And I... I just look forward to him saying to me, well done. I'm pleased with you. You've been faithful. Some challenges sometimes, and maybe it wasn't always easy, but, but you did a good job with what I gave you. And now I want you to, I want you to leave all that behind. I want you to come. I want you to be with me. See, that's got to mo motivate you. If you understand the master that we have, that has to motivate you. And listen, I like having a high motivation. I, I, like, being, I like being motivated by good things, but then I'm, I'm also kind of stimulated to stay away from bad things. You know, heaven motivates me. I want to go and, and, and hell motivates me too. I'm trying to stay as far away from it as I can. The idea of being rewarded by Christ, that moves me. And the idea of being punished, that moves me too. Could you imagine when Jesus comes back and we have to say to him, well, you know, I uh, had my career. You know, I, well, you know, I had these other things going on. Uh, you know how important it was for me to get the grades that I wanted or to attain the position that I was interested in. You know how important all that was. So listen, I've got the talent you gave me. I didn't use it. I didn't use it to bring you any increase, but I can give it back to you. It's got a little dirt on it. It's got a little rust on it, but here it is. It's all yours. I would be afraid. I'd be afraid to meet the Lord and start offering those kinds of excuses. So, the master has given us all talents. Uh, he invites us to use them. He is a good and a generous master. He's fair to every one of us. He, he would never ask us to do more than we can do, but he knows what we can do. He's the kind of master that'll be excited for our success, and he's willing to reward us for the same, and he's the kind of master that will be sorely disappointed if we are not diligent, he's the kind of master who will punish us for laziness. We may not know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming again, but we know what we're supposed to be doing in the meantime. Everything we can, every day, 
to bring him some increase. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he did have to leave us. He did go back to heaven for a time. But he is coming again. If we're faithful to him, he'll receive us to be with him. Don't you want to be faithful to him? Believe in him, repent of your sins. Confess him with your mouth. Submit to him in baptism. And live a life of faithful service until you lay the body down or until he comes to call you home. If we can help you, we would love to do that. We invite you to come as we stand.